This is the reading of the word from Matthew 19. Then someone came to him and said, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. And he said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and also you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, I have kept all these. What do I still lack? And Jesus said to him, If you wish to be perfect, go, sell your possessions, and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. When the young man heard this word, he went away grieving, for he had many possessions. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, Highland. I'm glad you're here today with us virtually, and I hope that you had a very merry uh, Christmas and uh, you were able to spend valuable time with family and friends, whether they were there at your house or uh, digitally over Zoom. Uh, I am not looking forward to another Zoom Christmas again. I am, I'm ready for things to change and I'm ready for our auditorium to change. Uh, I'm ready for us to come back together and hopefully you're gonna hear something uh, kind of in the middle of this week about where we're going in terms of uh, regathering for the month of January. Uh, I am grateful for this year. Despite all of the, the hard things that have happened and the real tragedy and the grief that we've mourned and loss of lives of loved ones and friends, I am grateful for uh, us being to explore what God is doing in this world together, even in a pandemic. Today, we're going to look at an interesting question. I've just been reading a book over the course of this year, and it's, it's convinced me something about the nature of faith. And I want to share that with you today. Uh, I want to suppose to you that, that faith is communal. And I think we all agree with, on that. But I want, to, I want to submit today that so is salvation. Faith is communal, but salvation is also communal. And I think what this does is it helps us to see our mission of what we do as a body and as part of the kingdom of God is, is so much more than just saving yourself. I think we've bought into this kind of American myth. I don't know if we intended to do it or not, but we bought into this American myth that, that if, if, if I believe, if I give my life over to Christ in baptism, then I get to go to heaven and I'm good. And while that is true, it is the bare minimum of the abundant life that Jesus speaks of. And so what I want us to do today is explore maybe some of those ideas about faith that, that we could reimagine and revisit and ask ourselves the question, is there something more that we could live into together? Faith isn't just belief. And in most of the time in, in Scripture, faith is translated as, as belief, sometimes as trust. I want us to think today of a metaphor as faith is allegiance. The Greek word in the New Testament is, is pistuo. 
But one thing you've noticed, in, in, especially if you read the book of John and other parts of the New Testament, is that pistuo is, is, is a noun, but it's also sometimes a verb. That it's not just uh, pistuo is action. We are faithine together. We are living our lives together. In the first century, the idea of one person uh, in a conversion experience without their community following along is, 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 would be very odd. That someone rationally gets to a place where they decide that all I have to do is agree to these, a certain sense, and then I am uh, somehow ingratiated into the body of Christ or, or part of God's kingdom. If, if, that, if that fact, if that, that belief of Jesus is Lord only stayed as an intellectual statement, it had no power. What we see instead in the book of Acts and the rest of the New Testament is every time there is conversion, it is because God has intent for a whole people, a whole group of people. And not only are their thoughts changed, but their lives are changed. Faith isn't just intellectual assent. Faith begins with experience, begins with a glimpse of the unseen and then we are making, capable of making fact statements. And I think you look at the story of, of Saul's conversion, Paul's conversion in the book of Acts. And one of the things you see there is that the first thing that Saul encounters is God. He has an experience that he cannot explain. Uh, an experience which totally disrupts his world and his life and what he thought he was doing. Saul was absolutely convinced in his mind that he was doing the right thing when he was persecuting Christians. He thought he was being faithful to God. And it's not until he has an experience of encountering the living Jesus that he realizes the truth statements. I don't think that Saul could have got there with an argument or someone kindly laying it out a three-point sermon to demonstrate who Jesus was. Saul needed to experience Christ. And it changed his life forever. He was willing to pay the price of beatings, of being imprisoned, of being shipwrecked, of being scorned by his friends and family. He endured so many things because faith wasn't just a belief about who Jesus was. Faith was allegiance. And allegiance is, is, is big, you can imagine the, the Pledge of Allegiance that you might say at a, at a football game or a, a, a council meeting with your city or if you grew up doing that in school. I pledge allegiance. And allegiance runs very deep. It changes the way we behave. It changes the way we spend money. It changes what we do with our lives. Faith isn't the opposite of works. I think that's an old argument uh, that, that we've had about the sovereignty of God. And, and part of that dichotomy occurs because we have to admit that God does the saving. There's nothing we can do to save ourselves. There's no way that we can earn our way into heaven. There's no way we can earn our way into God's good grace. Uh, we are completely sinful from uh, top to bottom, inside and out. And there's nothing we can do to make ourselves right except by Jesus' righteousness. It's Jesus's faith that allows us to kind of just hang on to him and we're gonna trust that God will have mercy on us because we believe that Jesus has the power to save us. And 
I think in, 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 the, in an argument, a theological argument over the course of centuries, the way that got turned out is to say, well, no work can save you, just faith, somehow got translated to you only need faith. It's by faith alone that you're saved. And that's reflected in Romans, but that's not exactly what Paul means. If Paul heard that argument that all you have to do is just believe, I think he would have laughed. James and Paul don't disagree. They're expressing the same thing. In fact, that's how Jesus sees it. It's, Jesus isn't concerned about those who hear, but those who obey. Jesus is asked the question by the man we call the rich young ruler, and he didn't say, well, just agree that I am Lord. He didn't say, just believe that God exists. He said, keep the commandments. And I imagine that rich young ruler is asking the question for a reason. He says that uh, he has kept the commandments from, since his youth, and, and I'm going to believe that he's sincere, that he's not just being arrogant in his question, that he, he wants to justify himself, but he's not trying to justify his own ego. He's trying to justify the course and decisions of his life. He has kept the commandments since the very beginning, and it's left him wanting. And so Jesus says, do one more thing. Give up everything you have and follow me. And the, the rich young man is afraid to give up what he knows will not satisfy for the promise of what he desperately needs. And he walks away. It's that last action of giving up everything that we have and serving God wholly with our complete hearts that makes us his. You have to have an encounter with the living Christ. We have to learn that uh, faith isn't just intellectual assent. Faith is, is, is belonging into the, the work of what God is doing in this world, this, this kingdom. Faith is not belief. Faith is belonging. The idea of kind of personal salvation has some pretty, pretty big cracks in it, if you look too closely. Uh, I recently was referred to a book by Robert Jones called White Too Long. And it kind of tells the story of how personal salvation came into to being. White evangelicals invented, invented this idea of personal salvation because they didn't want to engage in the restoration of the world. Now, I believe they did it with uh, pure intent and pure hearts, but they were kind of in a rub because they were living in a community that had things like Jim Crow laws. They were living in a very racist place in a very racist time. And they, they didn't quite want to have to be responsible for the way that their black and brown brothers and sisters in their community lived. And so they created a, a gap in their belief system that said, well, salvation isn't about my city. It's not about my world. It's not about the people around me. It's just if I personally believe. And it's not that praying Jesus into your heart isn't a, a meaningful action. It's not just giving your life over to baptism because you believe that Jesus is Lord isn't important. There is a much greater outcome that God is looking towards when we give our lives to him. Faith is not belief. Faith is belonging. We enter into church. You are baptized into church. You're baptized into God's kingdom. You're not baptized into heaven. 
And when you enter into God's kingdom and you see your brothers and sisters, you cannot ignore injustice. The gospel, if anything, it is radically social. Not just radically social, but it is radically social. Faith is not optimism. Faith gives us the eyes to see what God is doing in this world. Faith gives us the imagination to behold God's preferred future. And I think what it comes along with that imagination to see what God could be doing, what God could, how God could be working in this world, is the opportunity to be a part of that work. Jesus Christ is the king. And we don't have a good metaphor for allegiance. We don't have a good metaphor for that kind of loyalty in America because we don't have a king. But I wonder what it looks like when we think of ourselves, when we think of our baptism, not just as entering the waters for the remission of sins, although that's true, but rising out of the water to join God on this incredible journey toward abundant life, the life that God has promised when we enter into the world to do the work that God has called us to do. Because a post-Christian worldview, and, and what I mean by that is just kind of in our society and in our community, the belief that you don't really need God or need church to, to be a good person. A post-Christian worldview uh, appreciates doing good things. And it, it wants you to kind of be a, a slightly better version of yourself or or if you're a slightly better version of your neighbor, then that's enough. But that's not really the gospel. The gospel isn't so much about what I believe or if I'm a slightly better person. It's about what we believe and how God is sovereign. We are part of the mission of God to be light and salt in the world. And this is where the Church of Christ's understanding of baptism is so beneficial to the discussion that we are baptized into church. We are baptized into kingdom. We are baptized into God's mission. You are added to what God is going to do. And God in his infinite power and wisdom and love has decided you can be a part. You can do something in this world to make a difference, to make the life of someone better. And here at Highland, that looks like the pathway. The pathway is how we express how we partner with God to restore the world. And so I know at the end of this year, it's been a rough year. <laughs> There's been a lot that has been terrible about 2020. Um, but God has been working in this year. God was not caught by surprise and God is not afraid. But as we look forward to next year, as we look forward to what God is calling us to do, I want us to have our eyes open and have our ears ready to hear that our faith, our church's engagement in this world is more than an intellectual assent, is more than a, a right set of doctrines. What you do in this world to partner with God may be the most important thing you ever do. And so let's look forward together. Let's see what God is doing and let's have the courage to join God there. 
May you have a wonderful new year. May you be filled with peace. May you experience the joy of the Spirit. May God's love fill your heart. And may we have hope that God's not quite done with us yet. I love you, Highland. Go in peace.